Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Biff Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mee, and joined in the studio once again, the tag team duo, Adam Shear and Mike Long. How's it going, guys? It's going. Yeah, man. We're, we're money balling over here, Jerry. Oh, yeah. I went to the gym since the, the, the last the last <laughs> draft round because you guys were stronger than I anticipated. <laughs> I'm ready for you today. Excellent. Well, yes, we are uh, running it back with the round two picks, uh, continuing our CFP fantasy draft series. Uh, last episode was on general principles. So if you missed that, uh, go check that one out. And we are picking up where we left off. Uh, doing insurance today. Stay with us. Don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Mike's just excited because this is his specialty. So uh, he's he's hoping for some strong draft picks on uh, today's episode. <laughs> I'm just hoping for some monster commissions, guys. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, so we are going to pick up right where we left off uh, in the last uh, episode. We're going to be continuing our draft picks, the snake draft. And uh, I do believe it is your pick, Adam, to just start us off strong. Oh, boy. On the spot here. Gentlemen, I think that I'm first in the mecking order. I'm going with mechs right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> some fire. <laughs> that's I, I can't help it I'm, I'm fully in dad's zone here and we are going with the mech the modified endowment contract now an unlikely pick maybe to lead yeah i'm gonna say that first picking mechs like come on because <laughs> when i think man I, I really need to get some insurance mechs are the first thing that pops to the top of my mind <laughs> i'm in mech mode <laughs> here's here's well Here's the why, okay? My my whole my whole staff here, we look for opportunities in the data for uh for value picks that are going to go far reaching, right? And I think you have a great opportunity with mechs on this exam because of how how odd they are, right? And um there's a lot of rules that are involved, right? That seven pay test and uh the possibility of the the character of the life insurance changing so that any withdrawals, the tax character is going to change. Um, but the death benefit is going to remain the same, right? I think there's a lot of opportunity with mechs so that if the students that are out there memorize what the normal rules are, put them side by side with how things change when the seven pay test is, is failed, uh, too many premiums put into the policy. I really do think you have a lot of different angles. You can look at um, the tax angle for sure. I think that's front and center. There's there's a penalty piece to this. I think just the idea that the death benefit remains the same and untouched is a great testable point. Um, but also on the front end, what's going to cause this mech to, to kick into gear? And then finally, the fact that once it goes to the mech character, you, you can't reverse that, right? So you have a lot of testable points here. Maybe Maybe not the most fashionable first insurance pick, I admit. Uh, but my Moneyball team says this one is far-reaching, so I'm going with it. 
I mean, it, it's definitely worth studying because I don't know about you guys, but I had never even heard of a mech before I started studying for the CFP exam. I don't think it's one of those topics that most people kind of come across in their day-to-day practices. So I guess I'll give that to you, Adam. It is definitely a topic worth studying because it's not one of those topics where it's like, oh, you can just get those free points just from uh, industry experience, unless you're someone who deals, you know, with insurance and mechs on, you know, a very in, in uh, you know, intimate level. <laughs> Well, and it has proven over and over and over to, like always, be on the exam. Yes. At, at least one met question, if not more. Now, early in my career, so, I mean, this goes way back. You know, we're talking 1980. <laughs> uh, we did a lot of mechs because it was insane. The the money. Well, wasn't it, wasn't it still, it was legal or not? Legal. I shouldn't say legal, but it was allowed it was back squash, then. <laughs> but you, they were sold like muni bonds where you could, you could jam all this money into a life insurance policy, not pay any taxes on it, pull the income out every year. Uh, and it was, it was just return of, of premium. It was insane. <laughs> And then we were all bummed when the law changed because we couldn't put these insane amounts. Mike, in Mike is the reason why the mech law exists. So when you guys are studying mechs, you can shake your fist at Mike that you have to study this stuff because him and his cronies back in the 1980s uh, were gaming the system. <laughs> we did put a lot of money into them. So yeah, maybe maybe I now will be mech, mech long. <laughs> mech, mech long. <laughs> Mech Long v. the IRS. That was the court case. That, that, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, boy. Sad day. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, what is your pick? You are up next in the draft. Well, surprise, surprise. We actually have a podcast episode about how much I love this pick. But my first pick had to be health savings accounts hsa baby all the okay. way oh, it's, a steal. <clears throat> it's a steal they're they're more and more popular you know they're they're really coming up a lot i, I always kind of judge the litmus test based on my like millennial friends who have no idea about finance when they start tossing terms around that's when i know it's kind of entered the zeitgeist and i've noticed over the last couple of years hsas have been picking up steam <laughs> well uh, yeah uh as just naturally uh, deductibles have just gotten higher and higher and and for a lot of plans it's not a stretch to go from where they were on the deductible to the uh, high deductible health plan limit and open the door uh, to uh, to HSAs our plan at BIF was that way where mm -hmm. our deductible got to a point where it, we didn't have to go up much and then everybody could have the HSA uh, and that's what the, what we did. But this one, you know, this one has just got a lot of angles. Again, I talked about that in the first round. Uh, I like I like players that have a lot of angles. You can run a lot of different plays. You can run with them, and this is one of them because you've just got the basics of contributions and um, and and the deductible and out of pocket limits for the high deductible plan. They go hand in hand. Um, but that's given on your tax tables for the exam. But then you've got, you know, other things about how long you can fund it, what happens if you take money out not for a qualified medical expense. You just got a lot of secondary kind of questions besides just what's the most they can put in and what are the what are the requirements on the high deductible plan. So 
uh, I like this. And the podcast episode is uh, Mike. Mike loves <laughs> HSAs. If you're scrolling, <laughs> looking at archived <laughs> sessions, but uh, it's great in real life uh, when one is eligible, and it's great for the exam. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. You know, it's one of those uh, topics that also has a lot of crossover because. Uh, it comes into play with like retirement and planning for, uh, you know, medical expenses and then also tax because you got to deal with, you know, possible taxation withdrawals if you don't use it for qualified expenses. So it is one of those topics that the CFP board likes because it kind of has its uh, tendrils in a lot of different categories that it uh, that they can test on. Yeah, and it, it could be just described in a question where they give you the deductible and the max out of pocket that needs to be a red flag of, Oh, wait a minute. Does that meet the high deductible health plan requirements? Cause the question could be, what should the planner recommend? And if the description of their health coverage, or maybe it's a case study and it's just in a data set, right? Uh, what should you recommend? I would be looking for HSA on there. And then also with this, it's, it's on the tax tables, but uh, I have students surprised by it sometimes that that catch up, the uh, additional thousand one can put into the HSA starts at 55. And, and so I recently I had a, I had a student say, why does the IRS allow that at 55 when the IRA uh, catch up starts at 50? And I just said, well, just because it's the IRS and they love it when we ask questions like that. So they can say, because we say so. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's I love the pick, Mike. Great, great <laughs> yeah. pick. I, I I really think you got you got a player there that'll put up some triple doubles, but instead of uh, points, assists, and rebounds, you're gonna have above the line deductions, tax tax free growth, and then tax free distributions. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Going to be in the league a long time, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I believe it is now my turn. I got my two back-to-back snake draft uh, picks, and I think you guys overcomplicated the matter. I'm I'm reeling it back in. I'm going with a meat and potatoes pick. I need a strong anchor for my uh, my defensive line, and uh, I'm going to keep it nice and simple with just the different homeowner policies. The you know various wait, HO. Wait, time out. Time out. What? What? You're going with your first pick, homeowners insurance. Yes, policy? nice, How solid, you? straightforward, <laughs> highly testable, but not just highly testable. Highly real world, real life applicable. Something that you know any homeowner is going to have to deal with is just making heads or tails of all the different HO policies. All like right, HO three or HO five or HO eight or HO fifteen. You know, it's one of those just they throw these acronym numbers on it, and ninety nine percent of people have no idea what they stand for. But if you spend a little time studying it, you see that there's an actual code. Uh, you know that it it actually does make sense. Uh, as far as, you know, what the various HO policies are for, you know, oh, you have a historic house, you need an HO8. Uh, you know, oh, you want full protection, you want to get HO15, which is a combination of HO3 plus HO5, and you just remember three times five is 15, so you want an HO15 policy. These are the little tricks and tips that uh, if you spend a little bit of time studying these, You'll kind of get them under your belt and you get those free slam dunk points on the exam because of it. 
I know it's not glamorous. I know it's not stylish. It's not going to be on the, uh, you know, the Wheaties box <laughs> is uh, not going to be the HO policies, but it's going to give you that strong foundation that you'll need to get your uh, your points on the insurance section. Real world spoken by someone who's house shopping. <laughs> As we speak, the heck is homeowners insurance? Oh man! Hey, you know what? This is timely too, though. Um, uh, you know, no one ever talks about the exam, but I, I heard a rumor that uh, there was a question on the most recent um, exam, and it was by title which homeowners form, but it didn't give the numbers. Oh, get out of town. Really? Give the numbers. Like, yeah. Whoa. And so now in the Biff review, we've got the number and right next to it in the chart is the title. Uh, you know, like HO3 is special form. Uh, HO8 is uh, modified form. And that's the answer choices for, for the setup were which of these. Wow, so you got to add cool. that to your study plan. We've already got it in, 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 in the Biff review, but I was like, well, that's a first for me. I always just never referred to him by number. Same. Yeah. yeah. I, I glossed over that when I was studying for the exam. I was always just HO3, HO5, you know, that, that I just did it by the numbers. That's, that's funny that they're doing it, you know, by the actual title. Well, we've been talking about that though, because supposedly they were getting away from the acronyms and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think in some areas, maybe this is one of them that they have, uh, starting to spell it out. But then Adam and I were just talking the other day about questions that just throw out the, uh, uh the section of the IRC. Oh under, yeah. Under section so-and-so it's just like, well, which way is it guys? Which way is it? Yeah. Is it Qubit or is it section 199A? What are we calling this? Yeah. Right. And, and we're hearing, we're hearing that some section numbers are in there. And it's caught, it causes confusion. So I, I think maybe we're moving to a place where you have to just learn both that this is, this is the name of it. And this is, this is the, the acronym or the, the short, the short way we refer to it. Yeah. yeah. Not like it's not hard enough already. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, that's all right, pretty pick, Jerry. Actually, I gave you a hard time, but that, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good. Pick. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say this, Jerry. I think that pick, my my basketball uh, analogy there is, I think you got like a ninety two percent free throw shooter. Yes, because with, with these, with these, I think these are really gettable points mm -hmm. um, if you prepare. And now knowing that fact, Mike, I think if you know the the HO policy number and the name, you're gonna you're gonna connect on these these buckets. Yeah. Oh, which, by the way, uh, you know, we contested some of Jerry's picks last time. And uh, so I, I met with the commissioner and uh, the commissioner said, you know, on further review that all of Jerry's picks were valid and they <laughs> will stand. And I said, OK, I'll let him know we're going to do another. He goes, oh, that's OK. Uh, I'll tell him when I see him uh, tonight. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait. Oh, hey. What, what, I'm, glad, I'm glad my bribe money, the transaction cleared. <laughs> he, I don't know. He mumbled something about Magic the Gathering. I I, I don't know. So, <laughs> something's going on. I'm just, I'm just saying. But you're good from, from last round, Jerry. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> the first round pick stand. <laughs> All right. So my uh, second pick in the snake draft, 
Uh, I'm going with the trend lines. I'm going with the buzzword uh, pick for this one. And that is long-term care insurance, LTCI. Uh, Really popular topic in the uh, curriculum these days. Uh, Just because, I mean, what we're seeing from our client bases, people are living longer, uh, fears of outliving your income, especially when it comes to high medical costs late in life and, you know, having to move into hospice care or, you know, having a a live-in nurse or just various nurse practitioners coming by to take care, you know, as people get older, they have really, really expensive medical bills that can really pile up. And if you exhaust your funds, uh, you're not going to be able to get the, you know, the high quality care that you need. And that is where long-term care insurance comes into play. And we've seen it be a more and more highly testable topic with the CFP exam uh, because of just how important it is to real world clients. Yeah. I wanted that one. Gosh, I'm going to have to change now. Uh, <laughs> no, that That's an excellent pick that, and, and it's one of those, you got a lot of different ways you can test this, uh, you know, just from the need and how to assess it to what are the ADLs, what are the claim triggers, what's the tax ramifications. I mean, there's a lot going on with long-term care. And then um, partnership, long-term care is another one that is popular on the, on the exam. So I, I applaud you for that when it was on my list. So I got I to gotta sub one out or trade for a later pick. Yeah. And a kind of an addendum to that as well is knowing about the uh, exchanges that you can do with long-term care insurance, Um, you know, swapping it out for things like, uh, you know, you can transfer an annuity to long-term care insurance, but you can't go from long-term care insurance to annuity. Am I getting that? Am I getting that backwards, Mike, or is that that, uh, the case? Uh, I'll defer answer on that until a little bit later in the draft. Ah, okay. Is that, <laughs> is that, uh, <laughs> encroaching on your pick? <laughs> yes. You're going to double up again. You did this last time. I, I think you are putting words, but I believe you were the one who doubled up in the last episode. <laughs> can, can we get a transcript of your meeting with the commissioner, please? <laughs> I think that needs to go under review. <laughs> it's uh it's a behind closed doors meeting. <laughs> and. I, I will. I do commend you on this pick, Jerry. I, I was hoping just for for the group with LTCI in mind. Can we bust a CFP exam myth right here for the people? So activities of daily living are a part of LTCI, right? Yep. Right. What about a wheelchair? Is that an ADL? If that's all the information we have, maybe I have. I go to Walmart and I rent a rascal scooter. Is that an ADL? <laughs> I won't name names here, but part of the confusion on this is 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 uh, one of the other providers in in this space, uh, a, a popular one, still has in their material that uh, that would be an ADL, and it's just flat out wrong. That alone would not make it happen. Um, so you, you got to know those. I mean, we use the bed cot acronym for the six ADLs. Um, and I think that same provider's material may even have where they say seven <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. ADLs, which way, way back, way, 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 way back. We really, sure. I think before it was qualified long-term care, there were, mm-hmm. uh, but all that, they need to update that, but we get a lot of questions because they've seen it maybe at another provider, but, but yeah. 
no, it's it's not by itself. Got it. No, yeah. that's good to know. I think it's it's also really enticing, right? You see wheelchair, you think, oh yeah, that that makes sure that that seems right. Um, yeah, but it's not myth busted. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jerry. Yep. Yeah, when you see wheelchair, I just think you know, think of a uh, Walmart in the. Uh... <laughs> the rascal scooter are you going joyriding yeah you just you know just going down i'm you know sticking my arm out as i go down the aisle just pulling things off the shelf into the carriage <laughs> hey, there's a good seinfeld episode about the little scooter thing george uh george gets in one uh is, is mike gonna make a seinfeld uh, reference in every uh every draft episode <laughs> <laughs> should do, I, i'm should, sure he could do it i'm fully confident we should could. design a curriculum based around uh seinfeld examples of the various uh cfp terms <laughs> every every situation in life uh there is a seinfeld episode that pertains so it's it's good life studies i i think to it, it's like the whole uh simpsons did it you know every every sitcom situation you can think of simpsons have already done it yeah exactly All right, I think it's uh, Adam. I think you are up next. Oh no, no, it's it's Mike. Oh, oh it's Mike. Did I get the Mike. order mixed up? Oh, sorry, yeah. Mike. Skipping you over, Mike. Well, then I'm gonna I'm gonna swap in the order here just to piggyback on uh, on this. But my next pick is 10:35 exchanges. Ah, okay. So right. yeah, and you were exactly right. <laughs> um, you know, we, we just create a ladder or uh, in, in one of the popular graphics in, in, in the Biff review is a, it's a mountain, it's a pyramid mountain. And, uh, and at the top is life insurance and the next level, uh, is endowments then it's annuities and then it's long-term care, which is the newest one to be, to be added. Um, and you can exchange down the mountain, uh, but you can't go up. So you could you could exchange you can go laterally across or down. So the long term care could only be exchanged for another uh, long term care. But life insurance endowment or annuity all could be exchanged for long term care. You can go down the mountain or across, but you can't ski up uh, the mountain. So. so swap an annuity for an annuity or you could swap an annuity for a long-term care and you could do long-term care to long-term care but cannot do long-term care to annuity correct and these uh, you know this is another one of those kind of evergreen uh exam topics where more often than not in a cycle you'll hear of at least one uh 1035 exchange uh uh, question. So it's a, it's in there. It'll be in there forever, probably. And uh, and with particularly with long term care being added uh, to that, it's probably even more common now uh, because people recognize the need for long term care, but it's so bloody expensive. Uh, so it's nice that if they've got some some old contracts like this around that have some cash in them, that that might become the funding. Uh, for their the long term care that they want to add to the to their insurance coverages, so uh, I you know I applauded that move to make that on the list as well of eligible ex exchanges. So um, quick topic, uh, you know, when we get into it in class, but it's it's one we got to know about for the exam. Yeah, definitely super important. I I got questions on it on my exam, so I can uh, I can personally attest to its testability. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what you hear every single cycle. So, um, 
and and I even even this past cycle, I I, I got confirmation on it again. So uh, it's just it's one of those evergreen topics. Excellent. All right. Adam with the double pick. Double pick. Here we go. There was a, a little little disruption in in the the draft staff here. Um, <laughs> GM Ken Fisher says he hates these, but my coaching staff <laughs> loves them. We love them. We love annuities. We're going annuities right on the oh, heels okay. of Mike's pick here. You got to know got to know about these, and I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, let's just look at at client profile right? Who, who is going to benefit from an annuity and what's their risk tolerance going to look like? What are they going to prioritize, right? Because what do annuities offer? Yeah, they offer a lot of these living benefit riders that are going to provide income, but what they, they offer are guarantees. And yes, they come at a cost and yes, it has to be for the right client, but it's, it's a guarantee that there's going to be some income floor out there. So uh, knowing customer profile, client profile, uh, also being aware of the different varieties, like you can, you can just get by with this, you know, you just need to know the names, you know, what is, what is a deferred annuity versus a, an immediate annuity? What is, um, a variable annuity versus a fixed annuity, right? So there's different varieties. I think those are easy flashcard topics for you where the stuff, uh, really gets interesting is when, uh, surprise, surprise, we get to the tax of these, the taxation. So you can take withdrawals from an annuity. There's a certain treatment there. If you annuitize uh, the annuity, you have something called the exclusion ratio on the income. So a portion of the payments that are distributed for income are going to be taxable. A portion is going to be viewed as return of premium. Um, also important to know the character here. We're talking ordinary income, right? So ordinary income tax rates. But I, I, I like this one because, again, there's a bunch of different directions you could go, uh, but it's manageable. And, um, and, and again, if, if, if your shop doesn't engage in, with, with annuities very much, um, you know, don't, don't apply your, your processes onto these, you know, just take what you're given in the exam, apply the right facts, get to the answer. Um, because there, there is a, a learning objective around these and you, you got to know them. So I'm going to annuities with my pick number two. Yeah, this, that's this a good point that don't let your your own bias against them. Um, you read the question carefully because they may be describing a situation where it is the correct answer, at least mm -hmm. in the exam land. I'm going to add to that list of angles. Uh, it's an IRD asset, mm. uh, which is IRD has, has, has been point. popping up on the exam. And this is one of those categories of assets that's an IRD asset. So there would be no step up. Uh, in basis for a, an annuity that's inherited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right. Annuities do just get a terrible rap because I can't tell you the number of times I've had students tell me it's like, oh, I we we would never recommend an annuity. So I just I just immediately cross that off. I'm like, well, you crossed off the right answer in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um, I think in in one of the books that I think both Mike and I have been reading, uh, Wade Fowles' retirement income book. Um, he's come up with this, this matrix for client profiles, it's called RISA. And, um, and he points to this one quadrant, right, which is like clients that prioritize above else safety, and are very conservative in how they want their retirement income to be. They want predictability and safety and guarantees. And that is, that's a reason to go with an annuity. There's, there's really no other place you can go to, to, 
to get that. I mean, it, it offers it offers the ability to put money in, to have it invested, to generate an income stream. Um, so that's the type of profile you'd be looking for. But uh, yeah. and someone, uh, you know, really was concerned about outliving their money. The annuity is the one way that you absolutely can guarantee they will never outlive that stream. I mean, it's maybe it's a narrow profile that that really fits, but it it uh, it, it it has its place uh, out there. I mean, another uh, another piece of this is um, someone that uh, you know has holdings that create uh, a lot of taxable income, and they don't use the income but it drives up their AGI yeah. uh, and, and they might be able to duplicate the return in an annuity and keep it off the AGI for the time being, because it's all tax deferred. There are people out there that are attracted uh, to that because things we have to add to AGI impact other kinds uh, of, of tax situations in particular. So uh, there are places for it. I think it, it, it has a lot of hate throwing at it but in the right scenario it it can be the answer yeah definitely good pick good pick thank you sir we're back on the board aren't we back on the board uh, all right all right <laughs> proud of my proud of my moneyball team here because they have found a gem they found a gem i'm so surprised this is still on the board i'm going <laughs> with personal liability umbrella policies for my final pick Ooh. thank you very much mm, okay all right uh, why? Because uh, it it's it seems to always be on the exam. I yep. mean, amen to that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and that's all there is about that. Um, you could read in your Biff review books just about how these work, but they extend uh, liability coverage uh, above and beyond the limits that are set by their underlying policies. Right? Those being, you got auto policies, you could have a homeowner's policy. Uh, it's going to drive up the the liability coverage uh once once you've gone through the liability coverage of those coverages below and um can really add extra layers of protection and safety and they they do seem to to pop up on the exam cycle in cycle out so final pick umbrella policies yep i like it yeah on every exam and i have one-off question for the umbrellas uh while it wouldn't be in the underlying coverages but umbrellas can pick up uh coverage for slander and libel, which was the, the, the most driving thing for my purchase of my, my big umbrellas. Oh, <laughs> cool. I want a big one. We got to get you off Twitter, Mike. Got to get you off Twitter. <laughs> it's all against the IRS. You're still, you're still, your, your handle is Mike McLeod. <laughs> That's right. And I got a lot to say about it. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> Oh boy. Yep. Yeah. Umbrella policy, you know, also catastrophe uh, insurance is kind of uh, what I think of it as is that, you know, when you get those really bad lawsuits or those really bad damages that you completely exhaust your normal insurance, the umbrella policy kicks in to, uh, you know, cover that above and beyond. And they're so inexpensive. They, 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 they really are. Because they so rarely get paid out. You know, that's the type of insurance that you want is the really low premiums that you, you don't really need 99% of the time. But that 1% that you have it, you're really glad you paid that, you know, 20 bucks a month in order to get a million dollars of coverage for, you know, that really bad catastrophe. 
Yeah, and it's uh, for the exam if, if and and this maybe would be a case study type of question where you're looking again at the coverages, and if you don't see uh, liability umbrella in the lineup, then that very well may be part of the correct answer of recommendations that the planner should make. Yep, is to get the umbrella. Mike, you oh. back on the clock? Yeah, it's Mike's turn. Oh man, all right. Jerry, right. been, you've been you've been waiting, man. I've been waiting. I'm I, I got a good pick for my final pick though, so I'm I'm biding my time. All right. Well, this is my swap out then. I'm I'm going to go narrow on this. This is a big topic with a lot of moving pieces. I'm going to focus on one piece, uh, and that's the taxation of disability income insurance. Oh, whoa! All right, now you're just swiping my pick. <laughs> <laughs> I carved it out. Oh, man. Literally just on the tip of my tongue, waiting my turn all this time. Well, <laughs> and Mike just swoops focus. in and steals it. Pick a different uh, element of this player. Uh, but yeah, just the taxation. That's And only because it's popular on the exam. Um, and so we need to understand that uh, we identify who's paying the premium. Is the employer paying the premium? Or is the insured paying the premium with after-tax dollars? Because it affects the taxation of the benefits. If the employer is paying the premium, then uh, the benefits are going to be taxable and received by the insured. If the insured's paying with after-tax dollars, then the benefits are not taxable. So the questions on the exam, you just got to sort that out. Who's paying what? And uh, and line it up. The question might have you, you know, what's the total after-tax benefit? And they like to have multiple policies for the exam. So you're doing uh, you know, a quick assessment um, uh, of that. And then one little nuance for this could be that the employer pays the premium, um, but under section 162, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they report the premium as compensation to that insured uh, employee and the employee pays taxes on that premium that their employer paid. In that instance, it's treated as if the employee had paid the premium, so the benefits would be tax-free. Uh, so we have to read carefully on the exam. Is the employer then reporting the income uh, on that premium they're paying? So that would be a little stretch uh, for the exam, but certainly a fair game. In the in the bigger picture taxation of disability insurance benefits. So if you saw that, Mike, the the tax nerds in the background <laughs> here at, at the live draft just gave a standing O. They heard section one sixty two. They're like, "That's deep, brother." I'm I'm putting in a complaint that both of you guys keep dipping into tax for your picks. <laughs> You're like taxation of insurance, taxation of an investment. <laughs> like, <laughs> save it for the tax episode. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's a great pick, Mike. Mostly because it was mine, but uh, you know that's neither here nor there. Touche. <laughs> All right. Well, I was also going to do disability insurance, though I was going to, you know, be staying true to the spirit of the episode. And I was going to focus on ONOC versus ENIOC rather than the taxation. And that's own occupation versus any occupation. So I will tack that on to Mike's last pick for our listeners when you're studying disability insurance. 
make sure you also pay close attention to the difference between own occupation and any occupation. But since Mike chose that, I'm going to go for a Hail Mary play here, pulling it out of my back pocket. And I'm going to say uh, PAP Auto Insurance uh, for my third and final pick. Uh, just, you know, it's kind of one of the ones that I think a lot of students forget about when they're studying insurance. They're so focused on health insurance or home insurance or disability or long-term care that we overlook probably the one of the most common insurance policies that we run into in our day-to-day and that is a pap policy a personal auto policy so that one should hopefully be a fairly easy topic for our listeners because if you own a car you probably have one of these policies already so you have some real world experience with it Uh, but you should spend some good time digging into how it gets applied and specifically the three numbers Because a lot of people get a a PAP auto policy and on their statement, they have the three numbers listed on their statement and they have no idea what those three numbers stand for. (laughs) So do some due diligence. In fact, when I I recently bought a new car and I signed up for new auto insurance, uh, I asked my my insurance agent for those three numbers and they stared at me blankly. They didn't even know what they were. (laughs) So (laughs) make sure you guys spend the time. This is highly tested on. And the three numbers uh, I'm talking about is you know the first number is the coverage for an individual that is injured the second number is the total coverage for all people injured and then the uh the third uh or sorry i should say damage is not really uh injured and then the third number uh is for uh extenuous damages that take place in that accident so those those three numbers are super important super super testable Uh, And you got to know what they stand for uh, so that you can figure out the way the questions usually get asked, which is, you know, so-and-so was in the vehicle, an accident happens, there is this much medical damage or medical bills, there was this much damage, how much is actually covered by the policy? That is a very common topic or a test question that you'll run across. Yeah, and I'll add to that the difference between comprehensive and collision. Yes, uh, yep. coverage would be in that lineup uh, of, of questions uh, as well. But point of clarification, I'm going to back up here. Uh, was the Onoc Enioc a pick or not a pick? Because if, if now <laughs> I was giving that was a gift, Onoc. Mike. That was a oh. gift. I was giving that to you, tying tying it on to your last pick. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so now my pick, just for our listeners, because they're going to vote on who has the best <laughs> best draft, right? So yes. my last pick then would have been taxation of disability slash definition of disability, ONOC, ENIOC. So it's a more robust uh, pick, listeners. And so remember that when you're casting your votes. It's not on Jerry's board. Uh, he did, he decided to <laughs> to throw it out, you know, even though they thought they were going to be drafted in in his pick, and he uh, he turned on them and went with personal auto policy instead. So just remember that when you're casting your votes, it's now on my side of the board. <laughs> and we are going to do that. We have a uh, we've been talking to the tech guys. Uh, they're going to put together a little kind of fantasy draft board for us. Uh, so I think we're going to release that when we do the final episode of these. And you guys will be able to vote on which of us has assembled the strongest CFP team. Yeah, and I think uh, Jerry, you got you got a great opportunity coming up next round, uh, next three rounds actually, because we're we're moving along into investments, right? That's our yeah. next one up. 
We got All investments right. up next. All right. Well, we have to look around, look around for some uh, some CFAs. Yeah, I'm here. gonna worry about. I'm gonna. I'm maybe I can. Uh, maybe I can uh, talk to your folks, Adam. You, you you seem to have some some people working there on your team. Yeah, we have we have some. I actually think it's people. your daughters and your dog. That are helping with your picks, but. It's the, it's their their turtles. Yeah. Uh, Adam actually just he printed up all the CFP topics and he scattered it on the floor and he just waits for the dog to go over and uh, snuffle snuffle one of them and that's how he makes his pick. <laughs> very, he's a very good boy. Very good boy. His sister's a very good girl and they they just happen to be CFP wizards. So what can I say? <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, that does it for this episode. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying this uh, little series we put together for you. Uh, you know, it's still the summer months, so taking it a little bit easy, but the November exam will be on us before you know it. Uh, so if you are planning on sitting for the November exam, make sure you start buckling down. And if you haven't signed up for a review program yet, what are you doing? Come on down. The Biff review is open. Uh, we have full enrollment uh, currently going on. So get in touch with us if you want to spend some good quality class time with the three of us. Pass the exam and have access to this insanity. What, <laughs> what a deal. Can't ask for anything more, right? Exactly. Well, You'll you'll learn a lot, and uh, we'll we'll keep we'll keep you entertained. Like I can assure you that. So, perfect. Well, that does it for this week. We will see you all next week. Until then, study on. Study on, my friends. Study on. Study on. Study on. Study on. <laughs>